The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Thank you so much for being here for episode 297. My God, I had to check that just to double check. We've done so many of these, and I've enjoyed so many of them, particularly because I often get to share the show with someone I truly enjoy talking to, and that is my co-host this week, Elisa. How's it going, Elisa? And since we couldn't find somebody that I enjoyed spending time with, we got Lisa on the show. Hello, everybody. I should have went with that. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me roll it back 15 and take it again. How are you? Uh, I, I, I miss you terribly. It is so oh, good to see you. Miss you, too. Good to be back, right? It's been, it's been uh, busy in a good way and also not busy in the bad ways. So, you know, a little bit of both. I know. And... Something about busy during this Pan's Labyrinth that we're in right now <laughs> that just it's it makes it it's it's like it's weird in good ways. It's weird in bad ways, because like when you're busy and you're working in entertainment. And so everything you do is at home and you're just like, you know, doing stuff on your live stream and just in front of your cameras in your room. Like it's convenient because you don't have to schlep anywhere. Or there's no commute involved, but like it's also isolating and, you know, I kind of want to hug people because I'm a hugger and I, I it's tough. It's tough. And I imagine same way for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was I was literally telling Evan the other day, like, can we like go to a farmer's market and like or, or like an arboretum or just something outside? I need I need some sort of outside stimuli. I haven't been doing that really cool thing where you're supposed to like take walks and, you know, get get sunlight. I have. My photosynthesis game is is not great. <laughs> um, with you on that. And it doesn't help that for me, I've just been really like throwing myself into the podcast with the live streaming and the Sirius XM and everything. Like I'm I'm putting more stuff into it. And like for me, I'm I'm ever more stressed out now because we are inching closer and closer to episode 300 what i know i know it's uh october like 13th i think is gonna be our 300th episode we've been doing this since 2015 and i feel this like podcaster's obligation that i have to do something you know (laughs) celebratory and yes exactly (laughs) something kazoo worthy for episode 300 but like to let the audience peek behind the curtain here I don't know what I'm going to do. And as that date gets closer and closer, I'm getting more and more filled with anxiety because I feel like it has to be something big. But at the same time, I'm also pandemic stressed. And I you know, I don't want to like, you know, have like a mat. Like you know, I think about like that, that, that uh, telethon that we did with Break the Business last yes. year, that eight hour telethon, oh, which was boy. really great. We raised money for Sweet Relief. It was fantastic. I got to hang out with a bunch of people. It was cool. And it was a fun live stream, but it was also so exhausting. (laughs) And so I want to do something to celebrate episode 300, but I can't do that again. But I don't want to disappoint the audience, so I I don't know what to do. Um, Bail on them? Make it a clip show. (laughs) (laughs) A clip show? Mark this tricentennial? A bloopers. Best, uh, bloopers. <laughs> just, just, just you a could blooper you reel. could definitely film like episode three hundred, four hundred, and five hundred with bloopers from this particular show. But like, I mean, do, do any suggestions? Like, like, uh, like, bring in special guests or games? I have no idea. I mean, I think I think bringing in some folks from podcast past would be a good idea. My cat is walking on the mixer, so apologies if you can't hear me anymore. Um, <laughs> well, congratulations on the new cat, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Her name is Ruby. Named after Ruby Rod, of course. The best character in The Fifth Element. Um, no no argument here. <laughs> um, I, I, I think you bring back folks <laughs> from... just walked across just, the camera. Just, I'm, just a... I'm, just, I'm just holding cattail right now. It's just a cattail. In... <laughs> I'm just waiting cat-tail for the... Shot. 
I'm waiting for the point on the show, Elisa, where you're making some really profound, amazing sociological point, oh, and there's yeah. just going to be a big old cat tail in your face. It's just cat butthole, just 24-7. <laughs> it's great. Um, but for episode 300, I think I think folks, I, I mean, maybe do like a Break the Business Reacts to episode one. I oh, don't God. know. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So you ever heard the story about when Atari made that E.T. game ah! in the 80s and it was so bad that they took all the remaining copies of it and buried it in like a nuclear bunker mm. that you couldn't get to with like the most powerful drill in the world because they don't want anybody to gaze upon that video game again? Somewhere at the bottom of that pile <laughs> and another 20 feet down protected by mole people is episode one of this program because mm. of how horrible it was. Good mm. God. You could uh, always do like, you know, like a remaster, a remake. Just do it over. <laughs> take it right from the beginning. I like it. Um, all right. That that might actually be part of it. I could be I could be down with that. So less people think that the product we do now is substandard. You should all check out episode one. Maybe we'll bring that back for episode 300. I do dig that idea. Elisa, while I have you here, I feel like the topic I want to talk about. Oh, I should mention before uh, before I get into our topic this week that I do want to talk to you about. I should mention the fantastic guest we have coming up after the commercial break. So excited to talk to Justin Longo. He's the CEO of Marination Music. It's an investment company. They provide mobile-based solutions to help music creators share their music and profit from financial investing. So there's financial literacy. There's music distribution involved. There's music tech involved. It hits all the notes for us here at Break the Business. So excited to talk to him. And I love talking to the founders because they just they're they're they have some they have stars in their eyes. They have uh, <laughs> they, they they have nothing but dreams in front of them, a pocket full of dreams. And anybody who's in the business of creating real financial solutions for musicians, so they're not dependent on big content companies like a certain company we're going to be talking about right now. <laughs> Um, they're always, those people are always loved here on Break the Business. So excited to talk to him. All right, Elisa, you're the person I want to talk to right now with the oh. story that's going on because you, uh, as, as many people know who check out this program, because we've got a lot of overlapping fans here, you are a delightful Twitch streamer. Oh, you, I don't know about you, that. you, 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 you and your husband play awesome music, great covers. You, you got a nice little following going. And Twitch is your home. You're a Twitch affiliate. You got that whole world. And so you must have been a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Underwhelmed, perhaps, by the announcement that Twitch made about this licensing agreement that they made with the music publishers that isn't actually a licensing agreement at all. So the first thing that I saw was a tweet, you know, because because I follow a couple of uh, different gaming news sites and there's like, oh, you know, you know, reportedly Twitch has struck a deal with, you know, all these major publishing companies. And I was like, you're kidding. They finally did, they it. did oh it. Oh, my they goodness. Did they, they did a thing. They did a thing. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Um, but then I get the email and I got an email like yesterday that yep. um so so at the moment i am a i am a music streamer i also stream the video game rocksmith in both those instances i am performing essentially covers um i perform acoustic covers and then with rocksmith you are hearing the licensed music in the game um as part of learning how to play bass and guitar and all that jazz um because of that it is not necessarily an approved, technically, Ryan, you can tell me, um, an approved use of this music per se. So when I'm done streaming, I have to, to be compliant with all of the lovely DMCA stuff attached to Twitch. I have to delete my VODs um, and, and find another place to stick them. Um, which is great because then I literally get to have the experience of talking to somebody yesterday about the streams that I have and like as part of like selling them on me basically and trying to tell people like, hey, this is what I do. This is a product I deliver. If you go to my channel right now, the only thing up there is my dissertation defense because I don't have I can't keep evidence can't have of any what of I do up there. Wow. <laughs> 
I can't keep evidence of what I actually do. So I'm like, well, you know, symbolically, I'll leave my dissertation defense up there because that's kind of cool, you know. But like what this email gave me, instead of providing a way for like, oh, maybe there is a certain, you know, maybe I can't play like universal music group tunes or something or like, you know, maybe there's an approved list or I don't know what. Instead of giving me that, they're saying, no, we just made it easier or maybe even harder for <laughs> publishers to actually go through with a report it sounds like a little bit more of a manual review none of this actually affects what i have to do to my content right everything's it, the same it didn't make anything easier or better for you so yeah just to i i i saw this the same way on this podcast forever we've been we've done multiple shows about how Twitch needs to make their environment better for streamers like you the ones who are covering music playing video games with music on them because right now you're in a situation where as you noted Elisa you have to delete your videos before they become videos on demand because you can get copyright strikes on your channel and you can get your channels deleted. And so as you noted, and that's actually funny, I never thought of this, like, you are a pretty active streamer, but if I go well, to your Twitch page, well, maybe you just... <laughs> the point is, when I go to your <laughs> Twitch page, it looks like you've never streamed. Yep. When I know that's not true, but yep. you have to delete everything because of the kind of work that you do. And this is hurting indie creators. And it doesn't have to, because as we've mentioned on the show... If anybody is in a position to strike a deal with the music publishing companies to allow people to cover songs and not have to look over their shoulder and be worried about a copyright infringement suit or having their account deleted, it's Twitch. They're owned by Amazon. They are multiple times bigger than the entirety of the music publishing industry. If they wanted to strike a deal with the music publishers, they could, probably with great ease. So when it was leaked on September 17th that Twitch was, quote, close to signing a music licensing agreement, that was from the Billboard article, I went, finally, thank God. And then on the 22nd, when I do this podcast with my friend Elisa, we're going to have a celebratory show talking about <laughs> how much Twitch kicks ass because they finally struck this deal. And now Elisa can leave her VODs up and show all the great work that she's doing and help promote her career. And now creators don't have to live in fear anymore. And then September 21st, the article comes out, and it's reported that there is no licensing deal. Instead, they made they called it a productive partnership, where maybe publishing organizations can opt in to collaborations on the platform. They don't say what the opt-in is going to look like or what they're opting in for. It doesn't change any of the music licensing rules. And for musicians, it's just more of the same, and you're still looking over your shoulder, and you don't have you shouldn't have to. Yeah, and it's and it's doubly messed up the more successful you are because as an affiliate, I have an exclusivity agreement where I can't stream simulcast anywhere else, right? An easy thing for me to do would be to be able to stream across a bunch of platforms, like say YouTube. YouTube would just keep my show VOD um, and then that'll be fine, but I can't do that because then I would be in violation of my agreement and then people can't pay me money to be silly on camera um and i have a 24 hour hold on that content so i have to wait 24 hours before i upload the show to youtube which in a sort of super fast kind of social media thing like i need to be making clips and putting that stuff out and sharing it with people earlier than that like the next morning not 24 hours after the fact i'm losing momentum by virtue of this and Twitch is a really big pond for musicians to hang out in, especially for us who are hybrid musicians and gamers, right? So, like, I'm in a position where um, I'm, yes, yeah, streaming music, streaming Rocksmith, but I also, you know, maybe I want to hang out with people and, like, play Animal Crossing or whatever, right? And, like, Twitch as a platform is kind of, like, the biggest fish there is youtube gaming is kind of starting to catch up and they've actually kind of acquired a couple of big fish recently to kind of be a little bit more of a competitor but i i remember an era where it felt like twitch was more than just video games in a way that felt that other creators could actually see visibility under like the creative category so like even folks like painters and, and other kinds of artists on the platform, like 
all of this stuff is just kind of squashing, I think, a lot of the different ways that you could use this amazing platform. And it sucks because it's so cool. It is really cool. And I really can't emphasize enough how much the current state of the world doesn't have to be this way. Like when people when when I say that Twitch is the big fish in a negotiation between Amazon, you know, Twitch and the licensing companies, like people think that like maybe maybe he's saying that Twitch is a slightly bigger fish. But I mean, you need to understand like what we're talking about when we talk about Amazon's size. So let me put it in perspective for you, okay? In terms of how much leverage Amazon and Twitch would have to get a licensing deal done. The total global revenue for the music publishing industry in 2020 was $4.1 billion. Decent year. (laughs) And you know what? Just for the sake of argument, let's also add the entire revenue for the global recorded music industry. So we're going to add all the labels, all the publishing companies, all the money they made in 2020, and we're going to put it all into one big pile. That totals to about $27.2 billion. Massive. And, and so compare that to Amazon's total revenue in 2020 of $386 billion. So you are like, talking about a company that is bigger than the entire music universe by a multiple of what, 10 or 15? And so like, like they should be able to buy the entire music industry if they can't make a deal with them. You could just roll up one of those Bezos rockets and probably buy the Eagles catalog. Like, just... <laughs> honestly, like, and I, I think people don't understand like how big Amazon is and how small the music industry is. This isn't like the way it was in the nineties where the music business was bigger than the movie business and bigger than video games and bigger than TV. Like, Music's kind of a small fish now, post-Napster in, like, the early 2000s. This is, it's not—I mean, $28 billion is still a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of, like, what Amazon does, yeah. like, this is, it's, it's nothing. It's what, it's what Jeff Bezos has in between the couch cushions. Yeah. So this, could, this deal could get done. I don't know—and and the holdup is, is that Twitch doesn't have a lot to lose here, Right. Because they're going to exist no matter what, and people are going to be on their platform no matter what. So the only people who are getting screwed in the current state of affairs are the creators. But again, that's not really a big deal for Twitch because their creators are going to be there anyway. So they don't seem to have a particularly strong incentive to, you know, and and Twitch has the DMCA protection. So they don't care about copyright infringement necessarily because they can can immunize themselves from liability. And so they don't have an incentive— and so even though they absolutely have the resources to get this done, there's no sense of urgency. It's 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 frustrating because, you know, then I'll see someone like like Matt, he- uh, Matt Heafy from Trivium, um, who is one of these examples of a great hybrid musician streamer. I get to follow him as he's going on tour right now and he's doing his warm ups from his hotel room and streaming the show from the wings. And. I gotta think, like, are would they even be allowed to? Are they technically allowed to be streaming their own, <laughs> their own music. live performances? Like, ah, imagine getting a DMCA notice for your own music, <laughs> or like, or a, or a content ID strike on your own music. I'm sure it's, it's happened. happened on my YouTube channel before. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what do you do? Do you have to just like email uh, YouTube, be like, "Don't worry, I know the owner; they're cool with it." I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it'll probably get. Like, you know, my, my one cent will get back to me anyway, eventually. So whatever. <laughs> uh, well, I, I hope that this kind of like, I, I know that all creators right now on Twitch are probably feeling the same way you do. They saw through that email that all the Twitch users got on Tuesday. They saw through it right away. They realized, oh, this doesn't actually positively affect us one bit. Hopefully it galvanizes this population and continues to like tell Twitch, like you got to fix this and we know you can so that we can create on your platform safely and be in a position to thrive. At least that's my hope. Fingers Fingers crossed. crossed. Two other matters, Elisa. Mm. Uh, I feel like we did you so wrong because last week was the week that we talked about Rolling Stone releasing its list of the top 500 songs of all time. And we didn't immediately call you in from whatever you were doing 
to allow you the opportunity to weigh in on it. We should have had like some kind of Elisa bat signal. Oh God! That appeared in the sky. We we're like, I gotta get on Streamyard right now because I'm sure you have thoughts and feelings and opinions. Have you seen this list, Rolling Stone top 500 songs? So I, I'm I am not a graduate student any longer. <laughs> And I do not have the energy or the spoons to go through all five hundo of these. And and I'm sure, you know, hey, any, you know, grad student out there that wants to do a nice little content analysis, I would actually love, you know, to see kind of the different sort of genre breakdowns as well as, you know, gender breakdowns on these artists. But that's another show. The top, as soon as I started, started scrolling to the top 50 and number 50 was Daddy Yankee. I and saw I was that. Like, Gasolina, number I 50. I was like, wow. I'm like, man, I'm Puerto Rican, and, and we love to claim our own. But I was like, man, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> You're being lied to right now. That's a little high. Um, <laughs> like, we, we, we are a proud people, but I'm like, damn. Um, <laughs> but, like, what, what is interesting to me is I, it's, either, um, it's either I've lost my teeth or maybe you know the 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 sandpaper of time has <laughs> has softened my edges a little bit and and has and has made me enjoy a little bit more nuance. I love the variety that is shown on this list, and I loved seeing how many iconic hip hop songs, in particular, and, and iconic R and B songs, made their way to the top one hundred and top fifty in a situation where i feel like depending on who you ask to make this list they would be nowhere in the 500 much less the top 100 um i haven't had a chance to like dig through exactly who they asked but one of the things that they noted in the article is that by tapping out to a diverse set of artists across generations you get a list that looks like this and also kind of donning my sociology cap here i'm I am anti-canon. Canon is dead. Like, like <laughs> we, we, we do not need to keep worshiping at the altar of, uh, I'm just going to throw some names out, uh, Led Zeppelin or Elvis. Like, we, we, we don't need to keep worshiping at the altar of these people just because we've been doing it for decades. Like, we're allowed to look at our contemporaries and look at our recent contemporaries, place them in a cultural and political context and actually be able to zoom out and see how much these songs have affected people without needing to address these in a hall of fame ceremony 50 years later we can acknowledge that like outcast and missy elliott are absolute pioneer artists and and deserve to have their productions represented but anyway <laughs> that's just me <laughs> That's where I'm coming from on this particular scenario, but I don't uh, know what you think. Your, your views really track with a lot of my feelings on it. Like, look, can we quibble with some of the things on the list? Sure. Like, Absolutely. we're not, we're not, everybody's not going to be copacetic with all 500 entries, but overall I was pleased that I felt like this list, particularly relative to the last time that Rolling Stone did this list, which was like about 20 years ago, is a much more demographically diverse list. It's a much more genre diverse list. You got, you know, Hey Ya by Outcast at number 10, Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott at number eight, Aretha Franklin, Respect, number one. I'm fine with that. And, you know, I, I love that it's diverse. I love that you have newer artists on that list, like uh, Royals by Lord is at number 30. Like, you know, some people love her. Um, some people like me absolutely adore her. Other people just, oh, no, she's too young, whatever. Um, and but I, I so overall, I love what they're trying to do with this list. But somebody who doesn't love what they're trying to do with this list oh. is a music person, a music pundit from our childhood, Elisa, one Carson oh, Daly Aww. had some thoughts on this list. He was Suffice it to say, not pleased about uh, the the changes to this top 500 list. Lauren, do you have the clip of him rank uh, ranting about this courtesy of Rolling Stone's TikTok? 
No Led Zeppelin, no Elvis, what? no Clue no, in, in the top 100. No. All right, let's get into the big list that everybody's talking about this morning. Rolling Stone magazine, for the first time in 17 years, has released their definitive list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Let's take a look at some of the top picks. I love Outkast. Hey, I was a great song. It ended up yeah. at number 10 of oh, all wow. time. It is not the 10th greatest song of all time. No. No. Certainly not when, when Imagine by John Lennon is sitting there at 19. Wow. Right? I mean, yeah. also Lord, the radio hit oh, 10 yeah. years ago, oh, Royals. That's Fine not song. It's a fine song. It what is it? Thirty. No. Stairway to Heaven. Look. November Rain. No, come on. Uh, Hotel California. Nowhere in the top. And that 50. royal song made it. I That's love Get fine. Your Freak On, like the next guy. Uh, but is it is it is it better than you know? Rap Stairway to Heaven. Where's like a Sinatra song? Where's Get Your Freak On on the list? Uh, top ten. No, it's not. Yes, sir. I'm fired up. <laughs> I can't breathe. Nobody could have. Yeah, I forgot to meditate this morning. I didn't do my calm app, so I'm really hyped up right now. No Led Zeppelin. No Elvis. Um, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I have many thoughts on this video. Uh, first of all, I want more than anything to have whoever those people that were with Carson Daly. I don't know who they were, but they are the best hype men. Like, I was, I just want to go through life saying things and just having those two people be like, exactly, yes, Exa yes, <laughs> thank you. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? I oh. <laughs> unconscionable uh <-huh. sighs> so he he doesn't like the new additions to the list and he's mad that uh where's where's john lennon where's frank sinatra where's elvis yeah i'm noticing a common theme with uh some of the artists that he's looking for <laughs> i'm like uh, like i mentioned like the the canon is the canon for the for a very specific reason it is uplifted by people in academia. The demographics of academia are not exactly friendly um, to, say, diversifying said canon. So we end up seeing a lot of the same names being put on the same pedestals decade after decade when I think we can afford to get our sea legs and get our subway legs and be nimble and, and enjoy the fact that time passes um, and that we can open ourselves up to the idea that people that are our contemporaries and younger make good music with significant sociocultural and political impact um, and can influence and create entire genres after the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part of what's happening here with Carson Daly. It's actually a similar theme to what we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast with um, this Olivia Rodrigo misery business paramore ah, thing, yes, yes. where I had hypothesized that one of the reasons why a whole lot of paramore fans were like, uh, good for you by Olivia Rodrigo sounds so much like misery business is because it is a, it is that generation, our generation trying to stay relevant. We want a song so badly to sound like something that we loved in our childhood and and we are grasping at it. And so we are angry at Olivia Rodrigo for the same reason that Carson Daly's angry about this list. It ain't his world anymore. Nobody's tuning in to watch him talk on TRL. It's a younger get person's game now, music. And I think he's having trouble accepting that. And so he's getting angry on Rolling Stone's TikTok account. When and and I don't know if it's the Capri Sun is finally hitting, but like the <laughs> The minute that I decided, and well, once you have a a knowledge of history and you can get a bird's eye view of how things have happened even since the dawn of time, um, you think of Shakespeare now as this amazing canonical English author. He's basically the Tarantino of his day. Like shocking people with all sorts of read Titus Andronicus and tell me that's not a Tarantino flick, right? <laughs> but this sort of base pop culture thing is now elevated to the point of high art, to the point where we're gagging over Denzel and Francis McDormand doing the Scottish play, which, yes, sign me up. Um, but once you realize and you make those connections that pop culture eventually becomes this canonical thing. Every note that has ever existed in music has already been played and combined in all sorts of different ways. 
And when you realize that the the way that the medium of music pushes itself is often through breaking and distorting the limitations of its equipment, like guitar distortion, or what we're seeing now with like the kind of blown out speaker sounds in hyperpop, um, kind of pushing the boundaries of volume and making things sound blown out. Once you make those connections and you can zoom out, you don't have to feel old because you can get everything that you hear regardless of its release date. And once you can understand that and you can make connections like, oh, this sounds like this, instead of saying, oh, this sounds like this, I can't believe they copied it, blah, 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 blah. Oh, this sounds like this. I get it so I can enjoy it. And then I can make connections with people across generations and we can enjoy stuff. And on the other hand, like it's okay for stuff to not be for, for you anymore and acknowledge that, but also be able to enjoy it because you can acknowledge the connections that this kind of music is made across generations. So like, there's like, don't be mad at good for you and misery business sounding the same medley it at your next gig and make the bar fall over and, and absolutely crush the it. Bar happy. This is what I'm saying. So like make, make those connections and don't be like ownership, copyright, Let me like em embrace the fact that we can connect through these similarities in the music that we enjoy and just vibe y'all. Like I'm tired. <laughs> That was a fantastic point, Elisa, and I can't tell you how mad I am that at no point during that soliloquy, your cat did not walk across the camera, because that would have been the time to do it. What no, the hell, Ruby? She is finally being very good and settling in and is passed out on her perch off camera, unfortunately, well, for maybe the viewing she, audience. Maybe she'll ruin the uh, Justin Longo interview that's coming oh, yeah. up there after the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Break the Business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, you gorgeous people. This is Break the Business on Sirius XM Channel 145 on all major podcast platforms, Twitch, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope. Does Periscope still exist? I don't know, but I think we're on it. Ryan Corelli here, back with Elisa Rockdock. How are you? How was the break? Did you uh, love that same cheesy commercial we do every single show? It's, I <laughs> that's mean, me. The, 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 the that's me gets me every time because you're just so stoked to help people and it makes me happy that's really I what like for it. for 300 episodes that's what this is all about is helping indie creators and uh you know we love anybody who's also joining us in that fight which i believe includes our guest right now so let's go ahead and bring him on he is 
the founder of Marination Music Investment Company. Marination provides a mobile-based solution to help music creators share their music and profit from financial investing. You can find out more by visiting www.marinationmusic.com. We are happy to welcome Justin Longo on a break the business. Hello, Justin. Hey, guys. How's it going? It is going great. So good to hear from you. Love talking to the founders. Before we talk about your platform, I I saw you in the green room listening to the show, giggling along the way. Do you have any thoughts uh, you know, on the Rolling Stone top 500 list? Do you have a number one song of all time that you think the Rolling Stone list missed out on? Oh, man, I was chomping at the bit to get in on that one. But yeah, I can see both sides, though. I can see the new generation as well as, you know, the older generation's point of view. Um, you know, I kind of agree a little bit. I do like some Frank Sinatra, but I also do appreciate, you know, some of the newer generational music, obviously, because I'm I'm a millennial myself. So, yeah, well, that was that was a very diplomatic answer, which we would always expect from a, <laughs> a from a founder. Right. Like that's Justin thinking like, you know, there's going to be some old crusty VC guy who might really like Sinatra. And if I just completely bash the old music, I'm not going to get that guy's money. I understand. I understand. Say no more, Justin. That was that was very well handled. Yeah, the, the venture capitalists, they won't like any of that if they're going to invest in our business here. <laughs> well, let's talk about what we want those VCs to invest in. Can you tell us a little bit about how Marination Music works? I see it's a platform where musicians can have fans invest in their music, but the platform also seems to help musicians make investments of their own. It's sort of a uh, almost a cradle-to-grave uh, investment uh, platform for creators. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. So the main focus is to help music creators with their finances. You know, the investing, the fans piece is kind of secondary to that. But our main focus to help music creators, you know, create financial stability in their lives so that they can continue to, you know, give us those top uh, Rolling Stones lists that we're going to be hearing <laughs> for many moons to come. But that's mainly our focus is to, you know, help people with their music and their careers and, you know, grow that financial stability so that they can end up focusing on what's important to them and which is in this case music well first of all am i saying the name of the platform right because i'm really nervous is it is it marination <laughs> is it something else yeah no ryan you're actually one of the people who gets it right the first time oh, so thank you some people say mari nation other people don't really know how to make it but it's so what's the backstory yeah. on that name what is because i think of marination as something I, I did to the steak that i had just before <laughs> i came on the show and it made it delicious are we trying to like make music investing delicious or what's happening yeah i mean i could tell you i'll give you the actual story but i like to have people you know come up with it on their own you know i've heard some people say marination like when you listen to a song and let it marinate and over time it kind of you know progresses in your own mind but in actuality it was just some random name that one of my college friends had and he just i kind of took it from him so but <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need a better answer for the vc people right? like they they, they want to hear some like they, they, they want to hear like a former colleague it came to me in a dream you know some something like you know the you know, it was like I saw it streak across the sky. But you know, some, some work on it. Let's work. We'll workshop it together. We'll we'll take some time. We'll really get this perfect because it's a good name. It makes me hungry, so I'm all for that. Let me ask you the question that I ask all the founders that come on the show with some cool platform. What problem is your platform trying to solve? What about the current ways? Sorry, what was that? No, I was, just, I was like, t tell me how I'm going to tenderize my wallet. That's right. Through your, through your service. <laughs> I like that. What, what is it about the current ways that indie creators are making money that to you isn't working? Yeah, the, the reason for the whole platform is because I was a music producer myself. And, you know, at the beginning of the career, you can see how you're putting in all these hours to make music and, you know, learn production, learn all these things, networking. There's so many different variables within a career. And at the beginning stages, the money's not, you know, very, um, we'll say substantial. But the reason was to, you know, create a way that people can express themselves creatively and be able to, you know, see some financial return in that, like, 
sort of process. So that was mainly the the background of why we came up with it. And I've seen a few platforms that have come out where, you know, artists can have fans sort of invest in their music, you know, providing like funding for it, and then they get a piece of the royalties that come in. I've seen different versions of that floating around. What I haven't seen is the other dimension that you also add where it's we're going to help artists invest the money that they have mm-hmm. into companies and things like that. Was that something that sort of came to you as like, I see this as an important value add for platforms like these? Yeah, obviously, we um, we did explore that option. That's, that's extremely um, – that was at the focal point originally, right? We want to have fans be able to invest in the music, and then from there, they profit along with the artists. Um, so that was definitely a direction that we explored. Obviously, there's new things like cryptocurrency and blockchain. A lot of platforms are kind of intertwining that. But though, from a business like model standpoint, we saw that you know the streaming platforms didn't really pay out a whole lot. Like point zero zero three four is what Spotify does, I think, currently. So what we what we wanted to do. <laughs> What we wanted to do was try and find, you know, what's already working. Like you said earlier, Amazon, I don't know, they grossed, what, $300 plus billion last year. So if, like, we can give artists a way to leverage, like, these big reputable companies who are basically, you know, economies in themselves and have that leverage be for their music career, that's exactly what we're trying to accomplish. So you, you contemplate different revenue streams coming in through this platform. How does that work? That's a that's an interesting component because when I've seen these platforms, it's always just streaming income, right? Because that's easy to quantify. That's easy to figure out how that comes in through a through a distribution service like a CD baby. So it's easy to calculate and it's easy to set up a platform around that. But it sounds like you have a grander ambition in mind, different revenue streams and all the other ways that artists make money and allowing fans to invest in that. And I know that that's like to answer this question might require like a three hour presentation, but I need you to do it in 30 seconds. How does that work? <laughs> that was quite the setup. <laughs> so um, I'll do we'll, all right. 30 seconds. Are you you're familiar with acorns, right? Yeah. So it's basically acorns meets Spotify. We'll just cap it at that. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that was literally going to be my, my question is it sort of, it almost looked like a sort of, or maybe like a Patreon sort of type thing, but also with acorns involved, like a little one-stop shop for, for your money as an artist. It's interesting. Yeah. The, the Patreon, I believe that's a great platform. You know, some of our artists use Patreon and they've had great success with that. Um, what we, we've mainly seen with Patreon is mainly the giving of the information more or less like teaching lessons from that standpoint with our own situations with our creators, obviously, but there's different ways to, you know, use that platform. But that's also something that we did take a look at is trying to, you know, integrate video on the platform and have, you know, fans be able to donate some certain, you know, donations or whatever it may be. I think band lab gives some like, um, I don't know what they call it, like buy somebody a cup of coffee or like a tip jar. I think they call mm-hmm. it tip jar or something like that. So you know, there's also different ways to do this, but you know what we've seen so far has been successful for us. So we're gonna keep just, going. So just to clarify, can you give me an example of a way that a music fan interacts with the platform to either invest in an artist or to give money to that artist or to get a return on that investment? Can Can you give me sort of just like a hypothetical of how that might look in practice? So the way it's laid out is we have a main homepage that's discovering new talent, new artists. And then from there, you can go into the artist's um, catalog of music, and then you can browse, you know, and see their backstory and that sort of thing and get to know them on a personal level as well. So from there, if you support their music, you know, whatever it may be, your relationship, if you like the music, if it's your neighbor or if it's your buddy or something like that, you can then invest money into that and that money is then put into their financial investment account so that money is then put into you know reputable companies like we were talking about earlier if that makes sense i don't know if that was a no, complex um... answer. 
Um, how much control as an artist would I have over the, um... There's the cat! The cat just... <laughs> There's the cat. Finally. The cat showed up. That's the payoff we've been looking for. Well done, Ruby. Ruby would like to know, um, how much control she would have over her own, uh, portfolio and sort of percentages and where everything goes. Yeah, so in relation to, like, royalties, artists have 100% control of the royalties. We don't take any portion of that. The way we monetize it is we um, that money goes into you know financial investing, and then from there we take a percentage of that, which is you know 10, 15 percent of the overall um, profit, and then from there the artist has complete control over basically everything, and you know who can invest in their music and and that sort of thing. Justin, I know you're really passionate about encouraging financial literacy in artists, and that's something that. You know, certainly I want to spread the gospel of as well. I think that just, you know, our generation in general and the uh, younger generation before us, like nobody taught us this stuff. And it's much to our peril, right? Because the best time to get into investing and to get financially literate is while you're young and you have time for that beautiful compounding interest like to happen. 1995. <laughs> that would have been a good time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any advice for the indie creators on what they can do to get more financially literate? Are there platforms? Are there YouTube channels or TikTok accounts that you highly recommend to to learn a lot fast? Learn a Maybe lot a fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a um... – that's a great point. Yeah, learning learning is extremely important. You know, knowledge is everything. So obviously, books, right? There's I could a couple books that I think everybody should read if you're talking financial literacy is Richest Man in Babylon. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other things if you want to get in depth. But um, what people should really focus on is learning the very important things, and that means. I don't, I'm not talking analytics and everything like that, but just learn about, you know, cash flow, learn about assets, liabilities, learn about just very basic things so that you have an understanding. It's like an artist in a music career, right? I believe that every artist should know um, all aspects of their career so that when they go into a meeting or into a partnership with somebody that they aren't going in blind and that they can understand, you know, both sides of the scenario and then come to, you know, a good decision for themselves and their career moving forward. Oh, I'm with you on that. That's so, so important. It, it reminds me of a, a few a few months ago on the podcast, we had Zach O'Malley Greenberg on the show. He was the author of a book called, I uh, uh, can't remember the name of it, but he, it's about a it's about this recent trend of musicians getting into the founders game, realizing that they they bring enough value to the table that when they do a deal with a potential sponsor, that they don't need to come in as just I'm going to get a sponsorship fee. They want a piece of the company. You know, our artists, you know, are realizing their value and saying, uh, you know, I, I'm a I want to be a co-founder, and you know, I, I won't take money up front, but I want to participate in the upside and realizing that they're their name, their brand, their cachet is enough to be worse. That basically is their capital contribution and is enough value that like, they're not just making, you know, pay their rent money. They're making, I can retire early money, which is, you know, often something that artists have trouble finding because in those early stages, they don't think of themselves as having the value uh, that a co-founder would have when they absolutely do. And we're seeing this emerging trend now of creators becoming co-founders in new music tech platforms. And I love it. Yeah. Do you, you believe that, do you believe music creators are entrepreneurs? Like they're soul, like they're, they're very in control of their own careers if they take control of their careers. Um, yeah, because you can obviously go into different routes and everything, but I'm completely in agree with you, Ryan, everybody should be able to have that wherewithal in their career. And, you know, because it's it's funny because you can you know sign a record label or do a deal whatever now when you're early in your career and then at the end you know there may need to be some negotiations and everything like that um but if you understand at the early stages of your career that you're an entrepreneur and, and you're a business yourself and you know obviously the music comes first you should be 
perfecting your craft at all costs and just working very diligently on that. But, you know, have the understanding that your business and, you know, the way you're going to monetize is around this career, whether it's merchandise, whether it's these great platforms like Twitch or, you know, Patreon and to have that knowledge and wherewithal to take that as you grow, as you expand the years to come. And then, you know, like you're saying, you can retire on some of this great income that they have. I got to know your origin story at this point. I, I, I really am impressed by this platform coming together by you having the foresight to sort of see this as a potential need and wanting to develop this. What inspired you to start this company? I know you have a background. You mentioned you were a producer, and I know you also have a background in investment banking. So obviously a platform like this, which seems to marry your two passions, is the perfect fit. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> – that's exactly it. Marinate, marinate those two passions. So <laughs> the <laughs> – but the – it's it's very interesting. That's a great question. So the the way I got into music originally was – um, through sports. Um, I come from a very big sports background. I've, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, which is has a lot of big, you know, athletic teams and everything, championships and all that. And but, we're both originally from Miami. So just so you know, we hate every single one of them. <laughs> Go Dolphins. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's how I got into it originally. And it's interesting because it kind of was a, a, a gel and a community feel in music and sports. Um, and the, the main thing that I relate to it is in the, in the locker rooms and when you're with your team and the tight knit community that can be formed through, you know, music and, and who wants to play, you know, certain music at certain times. And, you know, that was really prevalent working out with my teammates too. The music always was there in the arena outside of it. It was always there. And we always bonded over too and shared it with one another. And it, it's so interesting how this all transpired, but that's, that's exactly how it happened. I believe. I dig that. So now where's the platform now in its in current stage of development? Can artists interact with this platform? Uh, is it still kind of like a closed situation? Where are we? So we are currently in the process of doing beta testers. It will be live October, the first two weeks of October, so people can, you know, download it. Um, it will be open on the Android store first, not necessarily iOS. We have to, you know, roll oh. both of them out, but <laughs> <laughs> that leaves out like everybody, right? <laughs> it's a good way to start small and you know work your you don't want that user base to grow too fast. <laughs> no, but it's 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 really great to see the the impact that we've been able to have and help people, you know, we've helped a lot of people who are, you know, young in their careers, also people who are established and other people who are music entrepreneurs, like I believe you are Ryan and um, you know, they like with record labels and, and everything like that. So. Wow. Bless you. Love what you're doing here. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.marinationmusic.com. I can't believe with your launch so close to happening that you found the time to talk to us, but we very much appreciate it. And uh, love what you're doing to promote financial literacy and creators and uh, create cool tech platforms for them. Before we let you go, Justin, one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? I'm not going to lie. I did some research. I, I was preparing for this question. so no! I had a... <laughs> <laughs> Our reputation precedes us. <laughs> I saw the episode. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the question, but I saw the episode where uh, somebody cut in. They were about to, you know, forget to ask the question at the end of the show. And I was laughing so hard to that. Yeah, but that's what yes, I did. <laughs> I'll, answer, I'll answer the question. So <laughs> the, I would say, I would say to any, any indie artist who wants to be successful in their life and their career is to keep going. You know, I believe that action is extremely important because at the end of the day, the only way you find out if something's going to work is if you act on it. You know, you can have all these preconceived notions. You can think all this, diff all these different things and thoughts, but the only way you're going to find out if something's going to work and what you're going to like and enjoy is to take action. So that's what I would give. 
I love it. And it, it's something we've talked about on this program a lot where uh, musicians, and it actually gets back to a conversation I think you and I had, Elisa, last time you were on the show about how you just have to do and you have to do a lot. And, you know, it's easy to kind of get into paralysis by analysis and just be like, you know, and just plan and plan and plan the next thing, the next creation, the next release. And then it never gets into the world where perhaps the better approach is to keep making stuff, keep doing. And then once it's out there, you can iterate, you can fix, you can adjust, you can, but, but if you don't, if you don't get it out there, it's hard to ever get it out there. And Perhaps uh, I think a lot of indie creators need to kind of follow that that mindset that a lot of entrepreneurs have that move fast and break things mantra <laughs> of just you know get things out there put creations in the world. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Fail faster. <laughs> but as you've noted, Elisa, in the past, that's a hard thing for creators to get over, right? Because like oh fully like you like, don't put I that thing a... into the world until it's perfect. Oh, I was I was having like a major depressive episode for the last like 48 hours. And I was like, I'm going to have a show. I'm going to create all these social clips. I'm going to promote. And then I just, you know, sometimes you just get hit with a big sad. And sometimes <laughs> you're just like, why am I doing this? What's the point? I'm just a small speck of space dust on a giant rock hurtling through space. But you, 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 you've you just got to do it. You have to find it in you to find the thing that you can't help yourself but do no matter what and and hopefully that is create and just just make a little something doesn't have to be perfect just make a little something love it absolutely right justin it's been a pleasure please don't be a stranger we'd love to have you on again real soon keep us posted as this uh, awesome platform uh, continues to find its place in the world elisa ryan thank you guys so much it was it was a pleasure to speak with you and you know a big fan of the show keep doing what you're doing and you know, giving great value and, and content to everybody around the world. Love it. All the best. Oh, Justin <laughs> Longo, everybody. All right. Oh, with this, uh, we got about three, four minutes left before the radio people get mad that we went over time. I should <laughs> mention our guest next week is going to be Charlie Davis. He's the CEO of music influencer platform Prefi, which is a pretty cool platform, Elisa. It's all about musicians being able to host uh, like TikTok uh, contests where you, you know, you create challenges where whoever, you know, you put your song, put my song in your video and whoever gets the most likes wins a prize. And Preffy helps people set those contests up. Interesting. So, uh, I, I, I know you've been known to dabble in, <laughs> in the clock app on occasion. Oh my gosh, that blessed cursed <laughs> clock app. <laughs> cursed. It's so maybe this platform, maybe you'll, maybe you'll be all over this preppy thing. Uh, did you, did you manage to catch or hear any of the clips about the Emmys um, uh, on Sunday? I mean, nobody ever watches the award shows, but you just watch it through clips the next day or you hear things on Twitter. I had it. I, I was sort of like scrolling. I forget what, oh, I was watching football. <laughs> Putting the Emmys opposite football, never a good idea. <laughs> And I think it was a really good Sunday night game too. <laughs> so was that the Ravens game? That was. It might have been Ravens. Oh yeah, that game it, was. It, I mean, it's a, it, yeah, yeah, probably worth it. But like, I, I've heard that um, by virtue of everything, Apple TV technically won big because of Ted Lasso, and and it's all about streaming platforms now instead of uh, traditional networks winning big on these bad boys. Well, let's see. The best drama winner was a Netflix show, The Crown. Mm -hmm. The best comedy winner was Ted Lasso, a mm -hmm. Apple TV uh, outfit. And the best anthology series was The Queen's Gambit. Oh, a, Netflix. A, a, a Netflix. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a streaming world now. And oh, have you seen Ted Lasso, by the way? Like, I I've watched one episode. It's, it's weird because... I'm one of those people that, like, if you overhype something, sometimes it has like the opposite effect, um, and and I just get completely turned off. So I've been I've been holding back on Ted Lasso, but I feel like now that Succession is coming back, I need like a palate cleanser. So that might be it. You know, uh, those two things would pair well together. I think because <laughs> you know I, I've watched them both. I feel like I mean Ted Lasso is a good palate cleanser for anything. I feel like if you had to rewatch a show, a series like The Wire again. Oh gosh! You sure like American Horror Story? Uh, you need 
Ted Lasso to just like recalibrate your systems. <laughs> like I understand like Twitter is really overhyping it to like this is the reason why I didn't get into yeah. Shit's Creek for years. Oh yeah. Because everybody else like I just like I was like that uh that penguin meme of now I'm not doing it because yes. everybody else was watching it but like I'm telling you Ted Lasso is so damn heartwarming Elisa and and like let me tell you about Roy fucking Kent. <laughs> And yes! how much you need to make him part of your life because he's just magical. And I mean, and as a as a you know as a feminist scholar, Elisa, just the number of well-adjusted men on this program. There's one clip that I saw on TikTok that I was like, well, well, maybe I need to watch this show. <laughs> hello, you, you, hello, Mr. Kent. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you, I mean, you will you will you will love yourself some Roy <laughs> Kent. Believe me, he is. He's absolutely fabulous. He he totally deserved the best supporting actor win that he got uh, at the Emmys. And just it's it's so heartwarming. Watch it so we can talk about it. Okay, That's all okay. I ask. Okay. All right. Our okay. thanks to Bye. Justin Longo this week. My thanks to you, Elisa. This has been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you all for viewing and watching Break the Business. We will see you next week. Later. Bye.